0: about whether it was 14 years or 12 years or 15 years for the first time we met, but it was some years ago. And, um, you know, after a short time of, of Elm and I going to the home, Daniel began to tell us the story uh, of how they were kidnapped in Chesina and had the most horrendous time for 165 days in the first few months of marriage. And Daniel is going to, you know, I've asked him specifically, he's bringing the word from God, but I've asked him, you know, to give us a little bit more detail because I've known the story for years, but I got the full story last night. And it's absolutely mind-blowing because you've all been in a place where you think, am I going to make it till tomorrow? You've all been in a place where you think, Can I make it another day? You've all been the place where you think, well, I've prayed, I've done everything, but it don't seem like God's coming through. And uh, we've talked about for years about them coming to Scotland, but they didn't have enough children at that time to come. (laughs) And so we waited patiently till they got the whole brood. And, uh, you know, it's just absolutely delightful to have them. You, You read on the news about ISIS and you hear these... Endless, horrendous stories of kidnappings and guerrillas ending in tragedies. And it's just brilliant for them to be here today to say, you only get the bad news on TV sometimes. But this morning, from heaven, from the kingdom of God, from Sweden and Thailand, they're here to bring the good news. Go, Come on, give it up for them. Give it up.
1: Thank you. Thank you. You can have a seat. I ask my wife to stand here with me for a while. Wow, we are so honored to be with you this morning. Jimmy and Alma, Pastor Jimmy has, and Pastor Alma really had a profound impact on us in Sweden, in Vesteros, and we've been talking about, as Pastor Jimmy said, for years, we would love to come and, and have some time together again. We feel like family, and it's wonderful to be here. We have been so refreshed uh, by what Jimmy and Elma has come and brought to us. So we want to thank you as a church for your willingness to send them to Sweden and wherever they go because they are really a blessing. And so you are a blessing because they are a great blessing and I know they are a great blessing here for you. And so now I pray that today God will pay you back. And I believe we have a word from God and a word of encouragement so I want us all to get ready and open our hearts for Him to speak. Even though we share our story today, or parts of our story, uh, I really believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking in this room today. And He's not looking for just one or two, but He wants to speak to you today in a special and intimate, uh, prophetic kind of way. Mm. Yes, let's pray. Mm. Father, we thank You that we can be here in this wonderful church in this family of believers and we pray that you would speak today that we would be a blessing and that faith would arise in our hearts you see the doubts and the clouds that have been pushing and pulling people down and drawing in confusion, but we thank you for your word and the clarity that there is no shifting shadow in your character, but you are holy God, pure God, powerful and mighty to do anything. And I thank you that today we belong to you. We thank you for your love that's proven on the cross for us. And we thank you that today it will be revelation in this room and in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wow. Do you want to start?
2: So, you know, all of us, we have our stories, right? And all of us have a story the day before and after we met Jesus, right? And I was 10 years old when I first, you know, really know about God's love for me. And there was a lady coming up also, and she was sharing about that we should go into the whole world and tell about God's love, that people love you, that God, there is a God who loves you. So when I was 10 years old, I was I knew that one day I'm gonna leave Sweden, uh, move from Sweden, and I'm gonna share about God's love to to someone, right? And then when I was 17, Daniel moved to my small town, West Ross, in Sweden. This handsome man came, and we were only 17, only 17. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway, so we fell in love, and we. We married when we were 20, yeah. So let us tell, and then the story is going on like this. We we went to Bible school and studied about Jesus, and then we knew that, yeah, we're going. So we went to Russia, the Caucasus Mountains. It's a beautiful area between the Caspian Sea and the Black Sea. And on the third trip, when we, the third trip, right? The third trip, we came to this area. We had been working together under Pastor Artur in Dagestan, in the North of Caucasus. And we loved there and we love the people and they were like very full of power and energy and they they kiss you and and if they're angry they are very angry and if they are loving you they love you very well. (laughs) Yeah, it's very passionate people. And many of them they had all this the only thing they know about god was that the, about jesus like christianity was when they saw the you know, the russian soldiers coming in and trying to to kill their families and to, to take over the land right so they did, did not really know about the real love from god right so we were there and it was it was very open to share about god's love to the young and to the old and then one night we had been at a youth meeting And we had been sharing about, you know, what we dream of. And the pastor shared about that, yeah, we're going to see all these different tribes because there are 50 different people, tribes in Caucasus era. And all men of them up in the mountains, they're hard to reach with God's love. But he started to translate the Jesus movies so they can know more about Jesus. And we were like, wow, we are really in the right place. Wow, there are many things to do here. Wow. (laughs) Anyway, that same night when we, it's around 10 o'clock in the evening. We walked through the, from the bus, and there's only some meters before we come to our, to our apartment. But then two, two, uh, two angry men came up to us. They were angry, a little bit angry. I
1: don't
2: know. Yeah, a little bit angry. They and th- yeah, and they say, document, document. And I just hold on to them and I say, look at them, what should we do? And then, maybe you want to continue, yeah.
1: Uh, we we, well, we try
2: to share time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they pulled up a gun and then they pushed us into uh, the back of a car and then drove us off. And we had been warned before we went there many times. And we knew on the news that there were hundreds of people kidnapped. And almost no foreigners could go there without being kidnapped. Uh, and But still we knew... That we had to go, because these people had never heard about Jesus. And we have to tell the people about real the real love from God. Yeah. So when we were there, uh, they, they they brought us into this car. And to make a long story, a little bit shorter today, is that finally we ended up in a small dungeon that was... Uh, when we b- were brought down these stairs, the men—they had long beards, beards, shaved heads. They were wearing uh, their what do you call it—the ammunition and the knives and the guns. These were terrorists trained in Afghanistan, uh, people that were fighting for their independence, but also fighting for what they call the caliphate of the Caucasus, which is, you know, very similar to ISIS or the 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 same ideology, we're going to unite and build a Muslim Sharia law country uh, and so they are very fierce kind of people and they pushed us into this room and uh, we had hoods over our heads. We've been traveling for for a long, more than, more than a few days in different baggage compartments of cars and shifting cars and, and being threatened in different ways. And first, when we were grabbed, I think what we would do, like what all of us do, right? We, we, we just started praying and we didn't know what to pray for. We were in shock. We were praying in tongues and we were shaking at the same time. It's cold, like almost as cold as in Scotland. No, this was in January, so it was snow on the ground. And when we're shaking, our teeth is going to, 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 to. in between this, our prayer language is going on because on the outside it was chaos. But on the inside, when we started to pray in tongues, we could feel the peace of God, the presence of God come and, and just be over us. So that we could start to, you know, one day, once they put the hoods on, we thought, now they're going to shoot us. But the only thing we could say to them, we, we tried to say in their language or saying to them, Jesus loves you. If that would be the last thing we, they would hear, we prayed, let them understand that Jesus loves you. Yeah. We also prayed while we were in this car... We prayed, God, if we're about to die now, we pray that you send 10 more fanatic missionary couples to this place because they really need your love. They really need to hear about the good news. Um, but praise be to God, we never died. Uh, but what happened is we came into this room and they we heard the metal, big metal door close behind us. And we were in a cell, a, ba- a basement that was... You know, I could touch the walls with my hands at the same time. So about this length and about this width. And in one corner there was a bucket that became our bathroom for the following five and a half months. And then we had mud floor and cement walls. There was one naked light bulb and one pretty scary rusty hook in the roof. And we saw, you know, rest, the, the, what do you call it, thing, Signs of leftovers of the people had been there before, so it was a, a very dark and scary feeling, but once, once we were in there, there was some one word that reminded us: our pastor, Pastor Perjoan in Sweden, some some of you know him. I know he, he has been here and he loves Pastor Jimmy and Elma, and Pastor P.J, we had just recorded a CD some maybe a year before we were kidnapped, and in the CD, Pastor P.J held a sermon. On how Paul and Silas, as they were in prison, praised God in the darkest of situations. And you know, after listening to this CD 10, 15, you know, a hundred times, and you hear the same sermon, you know exactly the sound, and you try to imitate your pastor's voice and so on. And and but when we were kidnapped, these words just came to us. How Paul and Silas, how they praised God in their situation so when we were in this room we took off our hoods and we saw the situation we heard our gods laugh at us as they walked away and we stood there in shock but we decided to let's do what the bible says let's hold on to the promises and so we started to follow the example of paul and Silas, and we hoped that god would send an earthquake to open the doors you know but Anyway, if God would send an earthquake or not, doesn't matter. What matters is that He is good and He is God no matter what situation we are in. So we started praising God, dancing and shouting. And uh, you know maybe it would be easier to sing, God, come and comfort me, poor, poor person in this terrible prison. But that's, I don't think that's what God teaches us what power of praise is, because the power of praise does not focus on our situation, but it focuses on God's power and God's greatness. So when we started praising God in this place, in this room, we danced to keep the heat up, and we were, you know, in shock, but dancing and shouting and praising God, and we were singing songs like kids' songs, but songs that were full of faith. Because I believe what you need when you are going through the the darkness is faith. As we become Christian, we become Christian by faith. It's all by faith. right? We trust in God. It's all by faith. And so when we keep on walking, we become born again by faith. But we also grow by faith. When God gives us grace for salvation, it is so that we know we have a hope. We're on our way to heaven no matter what happens. Right? But He also gives us grace to enable us to become more like Him and to conquer every season and every situation we might face. So what we needed in this moment was to sing songs of praise and songs of faith. And so we were singing these songs like uh, kids songs and songs from uh, songs that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Uh, there is nothing that can stop the power of God. And songs, uh, one's kids' song that we sang that I am not afraid. I am not afraid. The Lord God He walks with me, and I am not afraid. It was a musical about David and Goliath. But anyhow, this song became powerful song of faith and proclamation in this in this in this season. And today, what I want to share with you, one thing that God put in our heart, is that there are seasons for questions, but your season of questions is over. It's time for a season of proclaiming the Word of God. Because there are sometimes when we analyze, why did this happen? Why did I have to go through this? Why, why am I here? And so on and so on. It's time to let go. It's time to start to proclaim the Word of God, of who He is, what He can do, and what He wants to do, and what He is about to do, and what He has, His promises for your family and for your situation. Start to proclaim those words over you, over your church, over your family, over your city, over your nation, because God is about to do something, and you can let go of those questions. I've had so many questions in my life. But if I kept on asking the questions, why would this happen? And every time we share our testimony, people ask us, why do you think this happened? I said, I don't know. And I don't need to know. I can have a lot of explanations, but they feel not enough. When I compare to the pain and the suffering that we went through, I feel like the reasons are not enough. But when I look at what God God has said, He has said but for those who love God, everything works out for the best. All right. I don't need to know all the answers. One day I probably will know a little bit more about it. But for now, I need to know what is essential for me now. And it's the word of God. It's the promises of God. And when we hold on to that. Keep on walking in faith. We will come through and break through.
2: So in the next morning when we woke up, uh, we were hungry, of course. In Scotland, you have a very nice breakfast. Oh, very nice and strong. We can last long. Yes. So anyway, this, that the first morning, in, we call it our dungeon. You know, there's no window, so we cannot see the sun. And there's a mud floor, and it's, everything is gray and brown, the brick wall and the cement wall. So we're like, oh, okay, a new day. And then we, we had been sleeping on the wooden plank on the, on the mud floor. So we're quite, kind of sore, you know, we come from Sweden, we, and like in here in Scotland, you have very, very nice beds, at the inn we stayed very nice beds, right? We are used to have a nice, comfortable life, right? So that morning we were like, wow. <clears throat> and then the guards came in, and they were angry, and they started to hit us. And we could not understand, why are they hitting us with their guns, and why are they doing this? But after some time, we understood that we had been too loud, because Many hours, like Daniel said, we had been singing songs to Jesus, you know, these you know, warrior songs, like, we are not afraid, we're gonna be conquerors, we're not giving up, you know, we had sore throats of screaming. So we realized, wow, we better behave. We don't want to be hit, right? We don't like to be hit. I never I used to be hit because I grew up in a very loving family, so it's like, okay, we better be silent. But you know what? Even they they could not hear. But what we did for half a year, because we stayed from January, it was year 1996 to June. 1998, we married there. So it was half a year. So we we learned how to whisper. And we learned how to whisper worships. Holy Spirit would be with us every day and we were more conquerors even, even in the pain and what God taught me and Daniel and also it's still teaching us through the years now, we've been living in Thailand for 8 years and have a church there now even after but even in the dungeon God taught us Paulina Daniel can you praise me in your pain can you praise me in your pain yes Lord Thank you that you heal your people. Thank you that we are safe and secure in your name, Jesus. Thank you that we can be steadfast in your name, Jesus. We can be stable. Thank you, Lord. So the days went by, and I had, you know, the hairpin in the hair, and we do like in the movie. <laughs> we take the hairpin and we do one mark in the brick. You know, so we we figure out like we're going to be hundreds, hundred, you know, one, two, three, four, five and in each brick. But thank God it's only become one and one and a half, right? 165 days. Thank you, Jesus. So that morning also we, you know, after they hit us, but then after some time they also came down with the, they call it chleb, like the, the bread, Russian bread. So they, every day they give us a bread, and then every day we could make our own soup. So because it's very cold, right? So it, we are so hot, cold. So they gave us a gas stove and a, a what do you call it? kettle in English, where we cook in kettle, kettle yes, I think. So we could pour some one cup of rice, one cup of macaroni, and one one onion and one potato. So that became a meal, one meal a day: this soup and the bread. And, you know, then he has birthday. You want to take it? Yeah, you can do
1: Okay. Yeah. When when we were, the second day, or maybe the first day, we had a, when we were kidnapped, we had a backpack. And in that backpack, we had two Bibles and another book and some some notebooks and so on. So when we were in this room, we asked the guards, can we have our backpack? And for some reason, they brought the backpack. The second day, they came with the backpack. And as we were there, and we, as we were eating the bread, uh, you know, we took out our Bible. It's the same kind of Bible like this one. It was same size. And we prayed, God, uh, thank you for the bread and we thank you for your word. And then I was reminded of this birthday card that my sister had written to me. You know, one month before, I have a wonderful older sister that she loves, you know, and she's very artistic and beautiful, makes beautiful birthday cards. But for some reason, this beautiful birthday card was in one corner was an ugly scribbled Bible verse, you know, with like, when the pen doesn't work, you know, and you have to do it a lot of times. And she had written Isaiah 51, verse 5 to 16. And so, for some reason, I didn't remember at all what this Bible text said, but as we were there, I reminded—I was reminded of these very numbers and this passage. So I took my Bible and I looked in Isaiah 51:14, and I don't know if... if My PowerPoint works, did it? It didn't work? No. No matter. No worries. We can read together because in Isaiah 51 and verse 14, when we read that verse, it was like God just sending one of His personal messages to us. Because it says, "...the covering prisoners will soon be set free. They will not die in their dungeon, nor will they lack bread." So every day, for 165 days, they would give us bread. And every day when we saw this bread, we were reminded of this verse. It says, they will soon be set free. Now, I am a Swedish, unpatient kind of Viking person. (laughs) So I want things to happen yesterday. So when God says soon, I think it's you know now. So I kept my shoes on for 10 days in a row because I wanted to be ready when they were bringing us out. I won't explain how those socks smelled after that, but I didn't have any other socks, and we didn't have any chance to take a shower. But we had our promises of God. Sometimes you don't have anything. Sometimes everything seems to go against you, but you have the promises of God, and we can hold on to them and proclaim them. The guards would come to us, and sometimes they would say, "You in Russian, they would say, you will soon be set free, inshallah, if God will. Well, the thing is, they would just repeat what these words said. And we know this is what God wills. This is what God wants. When we have the word of God, we can let go of confusion. And we can let go of some of the questions. And we can focus on what God wants. What is God's will. And when we start to pray according to what is His will, we know we will receive what we pray for even before we pray it. So, it says, they will not die in their jun- dungeons. So we knew... We would come out of here. When we were kidnapped, many, many many, prisoners were killed. Many kidnappings did not end the way ours did. There were some Italian engineers that were there to help the people. And after half a year of kidnapping, the authorities found their heads in bags on the road. Uh, the Baptist Church in Grozny, which was the only evangelical church in Grozny, in Chechnya, they had to change pastors within nine months all the time because the pastors disappeared. And one of the pastor's heads were found on a pole on the market. So you kind of get the mentality and the picture and the brutality of this region and this religion and mindset that you know, enslaved these people. But we had this promise. So no matter how scary pictures the devil might throw at you or the doctor might diagnose you or whatever people say or your bank account, bank statements tell you, you have the promise of God, that is all you need. You will not die in their dungeon, nor will they lack bread. So praise God for his faithfulness and his strength. You know, we want to share one more story from when we were kidnapped. Uh... And that was after, you know, almost, let me see, three months. It was the first of April. And what we did when we were kidnapped is we made routines. Every day we set up routines. And in the morning we would, Paulina is a very wonderful wife. She would sweep the floor. You know, we had a mud floor and we ate the bread and some crumbles on the floor. But she would sweep it every day. You know, and she would make it nice. We would, we would put together our blanket uh, into. Yeah, she would sweep it with a piece of car- what do you call it, uh, cardboard. Uh, anyway, and we would make this planks where we had our blanket on that we call the bed she would roll up the bed and then it would not be a bed anymore it would be a sofa so we can sit there and we would read the word of god we would pray and this morning first of april i remember i was reading i was praying in in my side of the room and you know some of you you get you know tired of your spouse you know, after a few hours, but we had 165 days nonstop. <laughs> you have to find a way how to come alone, quiet time with God. So we were in this corner. I was in this corner and praying to God, uh, and I, I made a routine to pray the Lord's prayer: "Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name." And I was praising God out of that foundation prayer, and then I came to this verse. Give us today our daily bread. And I thank God you give us everyday bread. And it's, 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 it's wonderful. And as I prayed that prayer, I felt in my heart God speak to me again. And God said, today I will bless you abundantly. So I just turned around in my prayer, turned around to Paulina and I said, I believe God's going to bless us abundantly today. And then I kept on you know, having in my private prayer time. At the same time, Paulina was in her corner reading the Bible. And I think you, uh, you can share what you were reading.
2: Yeah. So I was reading in Matthew 6. And, you know, uh, to read the Bible is so good for us, right? It's to, to feed, our, feed our spirit. But sometimes I have to say to you that I feel bored of reading. I don't know why, but I felt bored even in the dungeon. Like, oh, it doesn't... In that, this is, is it? I feel depression coming over me. Like, oh. But still I think that I could keep, keep reading that morning. Because that morning it was like, bling! At least I wake up in my brain. Because I started to uh, be kidnapped like for three months already, right? And we had the same clothes, and I said, Woman, we have our you know, menstruation, and we are so ugly and no shower, and I started really to worry, and even some animals started to come into my, I don't know the name of it, lice, or, or yes, yeah, the, the small animals, and they really started to, to worry a lot. And then when I was reading in chapter six, it's like, Wow, this is from me. Because it says like this Do not worry. What you should eat or drink, or what to wear, and I think these three things are really like, oh, because we had. I was so so depressed. I was so low in my emotions, and I, oh, how can I stand one more day? How can I do one more day and the same clothes? And this is ugly. But then something happened to me, uh, the Holy Spirit, you know, He speaks to us. When we, when we say yes to Jesus, you know, he, His Holy Spirit moves into us, so we can be energized. So the Holy Spirit showed me, Paulina, start to thank God. So, oh yeah, and I said, then I started to say, yeah, thank God, I have this soup, that I have this food every day, and, and for the bread, thank God. And then I said, thank God that I have this bit of water that I can drink. Thank God I should not worry, but I have it. And then I said to God, thank God that at least I have this set of clothes. I don't need to, I still have one pair of set of clothes. I said, thank God. And then suddenly, you know, the heaviness, if we call it depression or whatever we call like the heavy emotions, like... It was freedom. So even though I was in in prison and I did not have, a sh- I could not open my, the door, you know, we were not allowed to never go out, we just stayed, stayed in the same room. So even though I actually, my freedom was deplored, I'll say, I did not have any freedom, but inside of me, oh, I felt free, the wars were gone. And this is something I really need to remember now when I have freedom, physical freedom too, right? Because sometimes the devil, he wants to to fool me and say, oh, it's going to be a bad day, you look ugly, you don't have the right clothes like they have in Scotland or whatever, like you you feel not fitting in maybe, and you feel, how can I measure up? No, we should not not worry, right? Do not worry, and we thank God we have clothes, we have water to drink, a nice breakfast or lunch coming up soon. We thank God, and then the worst will be gone. it's true, and I know you know this, but but we just remind you that do not worry, but we start to thank God instead, and then it open up something beautiful inside our hearts, and the depression will be gone in the name of Jesus, and the darkness inside of my heart just gone in the name of Jesus, and this is what it still work, right? As we singing today, when we surrender to God, we say, I cannot do this day without you, God. But with God, we can do one more day, and then we could do do one more day, and we took one more day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And there was one one thing I I wanted to share with them too, but, you know, people asked us, yeah, okay, we continue, and then we do the next day.
1: So what happened is, after reading this verse, and after me receiving this word during our prayer, suddenly... We hear the guards coming down and they're more than usual and they're coming in, they open the door and they have a video camera in their hand. And uh, see, yeah, that's, that's from the video. <laughs> I think this is from a previous video. But in this video, where they, 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 they came in and then they brought a beautiful bag And uh, we were in here now for three months and it was getting warmer and it was sweaty and stinky and terrible. And you have not been able to, you know, have a decent wash. You haven't had, you know, any change of clothes. So my white shirt that was previous white and blue, like the Scottish colors, was now brown and dirty in the neck. And it was, you know, you you could take off the shirt and it will just be like somebody's in there and we don't go into details (laughs) anyway anyway they would bring this in and in our room it was stinking from the bathroom you know uh, bucket in the corner and our sweat and and our dirt and then they would bring it in they would videotape us and we opened the bag, and it was a beautiful silver bag with the brand name Lancome on, on, on it, you know. And when you open it, it smelled like it was a different world because it was freshly washed clothes in this bag. And it smelled beautiful because for us, it was, we haven't been in civilization. We've been in this room, but suddenly we could smell this beautiful, beautiful scent, uh, from, from the, from the, yeah from the outside yes and that's that was a reminder to us yeah. well the thing is in this bag as we're unpacking this bag there was toothbrush and toothpaste you know we haven't brushed our tooth teeth in a few weeks it, it's painful when you start to brush them again so don't stop brushing your teeth don't do that experiment anyway there was some medicine but our god is so amazing we never had to take any medicine during this You know, 165 days. Yes, he is awesome. Well, what I want to tell you is in the bottom of this bag, there was a sign from God. Because what we did to let our time go by and time pass was at the days we would engage in conversations and we would make up different topics to talk about just to keep our minds uh, sane. And so we would talk about our friends' interior in their house. We would talk about how we would like to decorate our house. We would talk a lot about food. And we would dream a lot about food. and so we 're talking about know, what kind of spices we would miss, and you know we 're talking about Thai food and Indian food, and we 're talking about Swedish meatballs, and talking about all these different things hamburgers, even McDonald 's seemed tempting when we were there. you know I had worked at McDonald 's once I was dreaming of making my own you know cheeseburgers again anyway, one this night, particular night, that we were talking about what. Is our favorite candy, and we 're talking about the candy store in Sweden that we used to go to, and we have a lot of candies you can pick and choose from and we 're t- thinking about oh we love salt, licorice, and you know all these strange things that Swedish people like. But there was one chocolate we decided on that night that this is our very favorite chocolate. And it was, it's called Marabo Svetsernöt. It's a brand and it's something that's only in Sweden and I don't know why it's called Svetsernöt. It's got nothing to do with Switzerland. It's Swedish. Anyway, this chocolate was the thing that we were, when we fell asleep that night, we were driveling on the plank and we're dreaming about eating this chocolate. But when we, when we opened this bag, In the bottom of the bag, the day after, there was one 250 gram, a big, huge, the biggest chocolate cake ever made from this brand, the very same brand that we had talked about the day before, the night before. The Marabou Schweitzer Chocolate. So for us, this was not just a wonderful treat to our taste buds. It was also a treat to our spirit because we didn't ask God for this. But God knew even before we talked about and decided on what was our favorite, He knew what we would talk about. And He planted that in this bag that was sent to us. And so we took out this chocolate bar and we said, let's celebrate. When the guards were gone, we took out the chocolate bar.
2: I think it's so amazing that God even sees the need of, of <laughs> candy, right? But that <laughs> you know, God is the God of details, and He cares for you, and He knows what you need today and tomorrow and, and ahead, and He wants to feed you even with a good food, right? But also, He wants to feed your spirit, and He wants to feed your, give health to your body, right? So I think that this we were amazed, we were so happy, and. You know, we had some new, fresh clothes in this bag too. So mm-hmm. we were so happy, but at the same time we understood, okay, maybe we have to be prepared to stay longer. And that is what happened. In three more, Around three more months, we stayed in the same room. And sometimes when we are, we are out, you know, people ask us, how can you stand each other? Why are you still married? How can you, you know, do life together after this trauma? And people say, and then other people ask, how can you believe in a God? And you say, God is good. You say that God is love. You say that God cares. How can you still believe in, in God when you had to go through this pain and problem and chaos and trauma? And then we just, you know, answer. I think there are two ways. Either way we, we blame, I blame my husband or he blame his wife, right? you're stupid why do why do we came to this situation blah 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 we should have thought of doing this and that going the other way blah 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 you, we can start to blame and we can start to blame god you are so bad You your, blah, blah, blah. but we made the choice so we said okay i want to stick with my husband i want to follow him wherever he goes and he went down to the dungeon and there i go <laughs> you know because it's more fun to do uh, go on the road together right even the hard times and also with God that we together made the choice we do not understand why we have to go through this pain but you know we took each other's hand and we said we believe in you God we believe we're going to trust you so every day thank God we could have the Bible with us in the room and also when we read in the Bible we saw that if we do not forgive others then Father God cannot forgive us my sin So we took each other's hand and we said, we believe in you, God, and we're gonna stick together with you, God, and we're gonna stick together as a married couple, even though we are like newly married and this is very strange to have a a start like this, but we're gonna stick together. And we also made a decision in our mind that we forgive our kidnappers for what they have done to us and what they will do. And I think this is the key why today we can, you know, God has healed our hearts, our soul and emotions and also why we can smile and we can have a hope for a future. And that is because of Jesus, amazing Jesus, that he healed us. Mm. But it's very important that we also obey the word of God to forgive others and also to follow husband and, and of course that the, wife, uh, the husband love his wife. Yeah.
1: So what we did was we had to make a decision to forgive them. And when we were released, we did not hold any grudge, but we were truly released. We were truly free. Uh, We had to make the decision that we forgive them no matter. Wait, uh, one, one more second. We forgive them no matter what they have done and no matter what they will do. And I believe that maybe some here, you have gone through periods where friends or people have hurt you and done things to you. And you think you have let it go, but you cannot be free until the moment you truly forgive. And when you forgive, God has something, a a new realm, a new freedom for you where you can walk and where you can thrive. We have met people that have gone through bad things, and then once the bad things are over, they keep on going in bad things because they were not able to leave the past. But praise be to God that teaches us, through His Word, principles that help us. And so when, when we proclaim these words and when we obey His Word, we can walk in freedom. And so we decided to forgive yes. and we can be free. Amen.
2: So we always thank God. Even when we, have to, we start a war, we thank God, right? And when we have pain, we still praise God. And when someone is evil to you we love like we've never been hurt and we, you know, we conquer the evil with the good so we forgive and then if you're married you keep on loving your spouse because I assure you it will add up to a beautiful life Amen, Amen. Amen.
1: Okay, Thank you Paulina <clears throat> Yes <clears throat> Praise Praise God you know after 165 days and those marks on the wall had br- filled one brick and was more than half of another brick being filled with this marks we came to the point uh, where the last two months the guards were starting to beat me uh, regularly and sometimes they would be up to six seven eight people uh, beating me up using their fists their using their foot kicking me. Paulina could see what brand they had on their shoe, on the marks on my back. Uh, uh, We had now new clothes, but as summer approached in the Caucasus and the rainy season, it was raining. It was mud floor became mud floor. And there was different animals waking up that was with us in this prison cell. Now, I love animals. My wife don't love those kind of animals that much. We had the mice and we had the frogs coming alive. And, you know, the frogs couldn't come out. So we had to wait for the guards to come. And then kind of when the guards opened the door to bring us some water or something, we, we chased the, the frog out, going into freedom, my friend, freedom, freedom. The guards wouldn't stop them. But we couldn't go out. And this kind of gets into your mind that you can't get out. And I felt... Sometimes like, a bo- like, like, a, like one of those pets that a small little boy has in a box. Maybe, what, what do you call them? Uh, what do you call those? They're, I call them rats. You have more domesticated names for those animals, but it's rats. If we're honest, it's mice or rats, right? Anyway, like a little boy would have them in the box and how the boy would shake the box... And then maybe take out the rat sometimes just to play with it and pull it. And that's how I felt like we were in the hands of these evil people, and they were doing, beating me up, kicking me, doing things that in my spirit, when you can't defend yourself anymore because you're afraid what would happen to your wife, and and you're afraid of what would happen if you try to defend yourself, if you try to escape. And so you're afraid. And we're just asking God, help me, help me. And sometimes, to be honest, your faith falls flat and I would come down after a beating and I would just be crushed in my spirit and I would say God I can't take this anymore. Other times when I came down I was just filled with awe of what Jesus suffered for me because Jesus did not run away. He could have snapped with his fingers and he could have killed the people who tortured him but Jesus would lay his life down for me. So as I was beaten and and hit and they would threaten me and tell me I can't come back and preach the Word of God. I can't you know, do this and can't do that. And then they would beat me up. I still knew that my Savior, Jesus, He suffered this, endured this. And even though He could have run away, He never ran away because He took my, my place. And so, but one day I felt like now my, my cup was full. And I asked God, I was reading... In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 13. Where it says I will not allow. God says he will not allow us. To be tempted above our capacity. And I felt "Now this this has come to my limit. And as I prayed that prayer. Something happened in my spirit. I felt the faith and the peace of God come. And there were some other signs. That made me tell my wife that day. That today we're coming out. And. To make a, a long story short, we were brought out. Now there were evil forces that tried to kidnap us from our kidnappers because they thought they could get some money. So we had to hide. And When we were released, the people that helped us to take us out of Chechnya they had to hide us and then we had to walk over the border at night. Uh, we had been still, you know, we had been in this small room and suddenly we had to walk over... Uh, you know the border between russia and azerbaijan in the no man's land and wilderness and we, it was it was a trial but god brought us through but god carried us and later on we came to freedom and uh, god used the testimony that we could share so we were in the tv sofas in sweden on the main TV channels, God had made a hype out of it, and we could just come there and share about what God is. And those journalists who usually are just criticizing and analyzing and, you know, against Christianity, they could not say anything when we shared our personal personal testimony. And the same is true for you. You have a story. You have... Things in your life that might seem to be messy, but they can become the very message that the devil cannot stop. You might go through a test that will become the greatest testimony and that will be a weapon in your hands to wage war that no enemy can stand against you. So whatever you are going through, whatever you have gone through, it is time to move on. It is time to push through. And God is with you. Hold on to his promises. Know how you are called to walk. And we are called to walk our life and live our life with, by faith and not by sight. Now when we came out, we were in Sweden for a few years Seven years. And during those seven years we had four children. And a beautiful time. We were part of planting Life Center Church in Sweden with Pastor Per Johan. And beautiful time. But then one day, one summer, you know, we the biggest pain for us, to be honest with you, when we came home from our kidnapping, was that our dreams were shattered. It was not that we had gone through this pain, but it was... On our wall, we had a big Caucasus map, and we had imagined what we would do for God in this region, and we wanted to reach these unreached people. group. But one day, as God was speaking to us in our private prayer life, God gave me a verse that says, Remain in the land, and be steadfast and faithful, and I will give you the desires of your heart. And I said, God, you want me to remain in Sweden? Oh, so I had to dig, bury my dream, and everyone said you can't go back there, it's too dangerous for you. And the Russian government would not allow you. And the Swedish government would not allow you. When people say like that, you just want to go even more, right? But when God says, you know, okay, I have to give it up. We have to let it go. And so we let it go. And for seven years we, we served and worked in the church and, and lived a normal, more or less, life in Sweden. But then one day God said, that he would wake Lazarus up and the dream that we had buried about missions God said you are called to do missions and suddenly you know when you're alone when you're single or when you're newly married it's one thing but when you have four kids and you're in the Swedish social care system with all you know the future of the kids education paid for and everything is secure and nice you get money when you're pregnant, you get money to look after your kids, Swedish government, you have to pay a lot of tax, but praise God you can get a lot of money, especially during this season, right? But then when God says you should go again, it's like, okay God, do you want us to go back to the Caucasus? We are willing. So I went there, Uh, I went to the Georgian part of Caucasus, Batumi, and I I remember as I was by the border going from Turkey into Georgia, I was standing behind a Chechen man, looking just like one of our uh, kidnappers just talking his language and I remembered so many memories came into my mind but I felt like God was healing me in that trip and we travel I traveled there and I felt like God had ended our chapter or it was not our time to go back there at that time we could meet many of the churches that had been praying for us that had been fighting for us trying to help us out but God, I felt in my heart, we're not going back. So I came home to Paulina. I said to Paulina, we are not going to the Caucasus. And we were both, I think, relieved in one way. But on the other hand, we were a bit confused. So where, God, do you want us to go? And for two years, Pastor PJ knew we were going out into missions. And we knew we were going out to missions. But we didn't know what and where and how and when. But then we came to the point. We said, "I have to let go," and we were hired at that time by the church. So we said, "We cannot. We have to. We have to. uh, We have to uh, resign." And we were still part of the board, but we found a great young man who would take over the youth ministry. And then one day, when Jonathan just had been born, and uh, a few weeks after that, uh, I was reading the Bible and then god said in 3 days i will show you the land you will conquer and so i said god 3 days that's on valentine's day that's awesome so on valentine's day i was praying and fasting asking god for what is your way and then and then on when i was going to bed that night i was more confused than before we knew we should go to asia We had gotten some signs that we would go to Asia. But Asia is kind of a big place. So we said, God, can you give us a little bit more precise directions? Which is, where should we start? And then, as I was about to fall asleep after praying and, you know, seeking God, and when I was about to fall asleep, suddenly I had this strange word in my head. And it was the word, Krum Tep. I said, Krum Tep, now I've gone crazy, or I've received a new... prayer language or it's something but it was something special about that word and in fact God said this is somewhere you should go and I said oh but what is this where is this God give me a revelation I was too lazy to go out of my bed so I said God if this is you you will remind me tomorrow morning and then I fell asleep then tomorrow morning the next day when I woke up the the first thing I could think of was this word and I got the word and the word I had no idea what it was so I went over prayed a little bit, asking God for clarity. And when God didn't give me the interpretation, I went over to Google. And so I Googled it. What does Krungtep means? And Krungtep, then I got 500,000 hits on the word Krungtep. And I looked, and then I read, and they said, the Thai people, when they use Thai language, they will never say Bangkok, but the the capital of Thailand is called Krung Thep Mahanakon and Krung Thep means city of angels and so then I knew, I was sitting there by the computer, I said, I've been to Bangkok a few times, we traveled there when we went to China, We'd, I traveled there as a kid when my, my parents were missionaries in Bangladesh but I had never imagined going there, it's a tourist destination. But I I, I googled some more information. I realized it's got less than 0.5% Christians in Thailand. And half of those 0.5% Christians are in the three northernmost provinces. And so the rest is spread out on the whole country. And Bangkok is a city of almost 20 million people. And there are less than 0.2 Christians. Right. So wow, this is a mission field I never knew about. And then we moved there six months later, we sold everything we had. We had no guarantees, no funding, but God started funding us. We had the word of God, the promise of God, and we went there. And when we came there, within five minutes, someone stole my fancy and most expensive smartphone. At that time, smartphones didn't hardly exist. So this was like a prophetic kind of phone, if you know what I mean. It was a smartphone that was this thick, but very expensive and very good. But they stole it within five minutes of arriving to Thailand. When we came there we were already downcast. Where is my phone? I got a lot of contacts and important information on my phone. We came to immigration and just as we're going into the immigration, there are statues that are five meters high, statues of demons, seven demons that protect the city of Bangkok. And when my kids saw these ugly statues, they started crying. So we said, welcome to Bangkok. and We're walking up to immigration and then We had booked one hotel called Havana Hotel because it was cheap online. And when we came to the hotel, you know, it's Chinese kind of breakfast, not the kind of breakfast we ate here today. You know, it's unusual. Everything is different. And for the first year in Thailand was very tough. I had women coming up and men coming up offering sexual services uh, regularly in front of the face of my family and my kids and my wife and this was you know coming like a demon against us we had noises in our house at night and steps in the house at night we felt sometimes we woke up feeling strangled we didn't have money to buy furniture we were sleeping on the mattress on the floor Uh, but we were praying to God and for six months we were witnessing and telling everyone and everything about Jesus because we had come to tell people about the love of God. Everyone smiled because they're Thai people. They're so friendly and polite. And they say, wow, very interesting, lovely. But no one came to the point when we invited them to say, come, we're going to have a meeting for those who want to know more about Jesus. No one came. And so we took one day and we said, God, we need to pray and fast. So we started praying and fasting. And this was in the dry season in Bangkok. And as we were praying and fasting, suddenly it started raining. And we got promises from the Word of God. And it was raining every day for seven. days. But we just laugh and go on. Because we're in Scotland and we laugh a lot here, don't you? Especially if you have Pastor Jimmy as your pastor, I bet. Wonderful. So what happens is... Within the week is over, before our fasting time is over, three people have come to know the Lord. And the week after, on Valentine's Day, the exact one year after God had spoken to us, we had our first small baptism in Bangkok and five people were baptized. Because when you take hold of the promises of God and the Word of God and you start to pray and you start to fast and you don't care about, you just stop asking the questions, why aren't they coming to the Lord? Why are not my family, my, my sister or my uncle or the people you're witnessing, so why aren't they coming to the Lord? Let's come to God. Let's come to His Word. Let's pray with faith expecting Him to move and God will do miracles. Now we had five people One, oh, it's on, praise God. So you don't give up. You keep on walking. You walk by faith. There will be be noise. There will be help. But what I want to tell you is, hold on to the promises. You know what happened after that week of fasting? We saw five people come to know God. And God said to us, do not look down on the small beginnings. But what God is about to do will be bigger. And then within a few weeks... One, The first girl who got saved, one of the first girls who got saved, she started reaching out to her family. So we went out to a village and we preached the gospel in this village for the first time and all of her relatives wanted to be saved and be baptized. So one small village church increased with 20 people that day as we came and visited that family. And so God started to use people. And today uh, I want to just share five more minutes about what, how God functions and how, how God has shown himself great in our life and in Bangkok. And now we have a church. Uh, I will tell you, we had 23 people baptized the first year as missionaries in Bangkok. But as we went home to Sweden to raise more support, when we came back, three of them were still living in Bangkok. All the others were somewhere else. So we had to start again and again. And this is this is a common trend in Bangkok. People come and go, people come and go and you, you but you pour yourself into people's lives and you give your time, your energy, and then they are gone, or they turn God their back and they fall into sin or they fall for different things and but you keep on going. If you are faithful and you don't give up, but you do you do you keep on doing good. You will receive a reward. You will receive the harvest. You just keep on going, keep on walking, holding on by faith, proclaiming the Word of God. Not questioning why, 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 but proclaiming His promises. Praising Him. And as you praise Him, like Paulina said, even in your pain, His presence comes when we praise God. And even though you are surrounded by enemies, if you praise God in the surround of enemies, His presence comes down and no one can stand against Him. So we are on His side. And so now we have a church that meets in two locations. We're around 250 people that love Jesus all all of our leadership team have been, you know, saved and born again these last seven, eight years. And they are brilliant leaders serving God, hungry to, to serve God. And, and now God has called us to move on. From Krumtep, we will go to Siem Reap. Because the church in Bangkok will thrive and will, we, we pray and we believe that God will, will do something great. But we have a church plant that we started in Bangkok. No, in Siem Reap. And we, four years ago, we started going. And I want to tell you one story. And uh, you know, John chapter 4, when Jesus comes to the Samaritan woman. This is what we have seen. When God wants to change a city, he will choose someone. And usually, he will choose the someone who no one else will choose. When he came to the Samaritan, to the well, he started talking with a lady and this lady was a lady of bad reputation but jesus saw her and jesus loved her the way she is and when we we ask god how can we reach the city of bangkok or the region of asia asia is hundreds of millions you know more than half of the world's population is in in, within you know a circle of less than five hours flight from bangkok you have more than half of the world's population it's ridiculous and and 40 of the 50 least reached people groups with more than 10 million people. They're all in this circle. And when we came there, we said, how is this possible to reach? And then just God gave us one word. It's heart by heart and heart to heart. You see, we started reaching out to someone. If you see someone like Jesus saw that one uh, at the well in Samaria, he changed the whole city. The whole city was changed through this woman's testimony, through her story, her personal story. But when she first met Jesus, Jesus just asked her of a favor. Jesus asked her, Will you give me a drink? That's what Jesus asked this girl. And sometimes when we come, we're not coming just to preach the Word of God, but we can ask a question to people, you know, ask them of a favor. Because when someone can help you with something, then they will start to listen to you. What anyway, we can talk a lot about this. This is from John chapter four. But the interesting is you can see how this Samaritan woman she would keep on asking questions, a bit stupid questions you might seem it might seem. But Jesus is going after her heart. You know, she starts to talk about religion. She starts to talk about, well, you say we should worship there, and we say we should worship here. This is the right place, and this is the right style. And they say this is the right way, and this is the right style. But but Jesus says, where is your husband? Go and get your husband. He talks straight into her darkest secrets and her Hidden, hidden things in our heart because God is not interested in a religious kind of relationship where you know what everything is right and theology and doctrine and everything is perfect and you're so nice and neat. No, he wants your heart. He wants your pain. He wants you to be able to open up your heart to Him and say, Jesus, I need you. When He's coming to change the world, He needs to change your heart. And He just needs one heart changed to change your world. He just needs one person around you to change their heart. And He wants to use you and me so that we can bring, just like the Samaritan woman, she came to the village and says, Come, I found the man who knows everything I've done he sees right through me and she felt the love and she brought the village and the whole village came and they said now we believe not just because of what you've said but because what they experienced when they met Jesus Jesus is looking for you to stop asking all the questions this woman was hiding behind the questions but God was looking for her heart God was looking for her reality and he said I don't care if you worship there or there or here and there and how and that. But you should worship in spirit and in truth. This is what God is looking for. People that start to be honest. Start to open up. Start to leave the shadows over and surrender everything to God. And that's when God can start to use you and me. When we came the first time to Siem Reap, we came to a hotel, but we felt we had to go out. So we went over to a high school, because I believe God loves young people. He loves everyone, but he has a special, special... Young people are a special key. And I believe in this church, the youth of this church, you you should use your voice, young people. You should be bold. When we came to the high school, we came to the volleyball court, and we asked God, give us key people. And we were standing there, you know, we're two people in their 40s or late 30s, standing there by the volleyball court, looking odd. We're the only foreigners on the whole campus, and everyone's looking at us, but no one dares to connect with us, you know. Everyone's looking, but not pretending that they're looking. They're playing volleyball, and I love volleyball, and they were good at it. And then we prayed, and then suddenly one young boy, his name was Davat. He came up, and I can show you the next picture here. On the slide, we have Davat. The first time we met him, he came up to us, on the, and 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 we started talking with him. And Paulina started asking him if he knew about Jesus, and. He said, who's Jesus? I don't know Jesus. And Paulina drew a cross in the sand on the volleyball court. And said, have you ever seen the symbol, the symbol of the cross? He said, no, I don't know, maybe somewhere in a movie or something. I've seen it, maybe. Uh, and then so we, we told him about, well, it's the story about how God who created you has a great plan for you and took away the sins from you so you can have eternal life. And do you want to know more about this? And the young boy says, yes, I want to know more. And then we said, we have come here to start a church and start a group meeting. So where do young people love to hang out? What's the coolest place to hang out? And then he said, well, there is one shopping center in Siem Reap. And that's where they have air conditioning. And there's one coffee shop in that shopping center. That's where, that's the coolest place. The only cool kids go there. We said, Today, 5 p.m., that's where we're going to have the first meeting here. So if you want, you can join. Yeah, can I invite some friend? Yeah, you can invite some friends. So we came there, 5 o'clock, no one came. 5.20, then we saw Dawat coming together with his friend. And then we sat down for two hours. You think I'm talking long now? We sat down for two hours reading the Bible from beginning to the end, not the whole Bible, but just going through the story of creation, the story of redemption, the story of salvation, the story of the revelation. And we drew on napkins, we drew the bridge illustration, you know, about sin and so on. And Davat was listening and he was translating to his friend the whole time. And then we said, do you want a Bible? We walked Three, Bible, three bookstores, and no one knew what a Bible was in those three bookstores. The fourth bookstore, finally, we found a Bible. We bought the Bibles to them. And then we went back to Bangkok. Before we had the chance to even make contact with them, Davat wrote an email to me, and I said, he said, Now I have told my friends about this Jesus you told me, and they are asking, when can you come back and tell them? So we said, when can we come back? Oh, the kids have their Christmas break in a few weeks. Let's go. So we went in January back. And he had brought seven other young boys. And we told them about Jesus. The staff that we had met at the hotel when we were uh, there for the first time, they also came. So we had a big group. But these young boys, Davat's friends, they stayed with us the whole day. And at the end of the day, they all became Christians. And that's the start of the church in Siem Reap. The next month we came back; they had invited three times as many people. We were twenty people gathered, and then within a few weeks, we were over a hundred. Within a few months, we were over a hundred young people. And when we made the altar call, we didn't have any fancy worship team like here. We had a guitar, no, hardly no working sound system in a small room, and we asked, "Who wants to leave?" buddhism who wants to trust god for the rest of your life receive salvation of sins everyone in the room lifted their hands not a single one did not want to have and so thank you jesus one person one key person i can show the next slide let's see if we can see that picture uh this was in April, so January in April we, we baptized, I think it was 20 young men and my oldest daughter Jimima was also baptized that night and uh, big, big celebration and then uh, God can choose one person and he can change. When they graduated from that high school three years later, these boys who dreamt about becoming maybe a tuk-tuk driver, or now they graduated among the top 10 students of the school. Davat, he is now studying in Phnom Penh to be a, a doctor for children. And there are others who are studying to become in IT. They are uh, you know, going after scholarships in, edu- in, in universities. And we're helping them, supporting them sometimes with finances just so they can keep on pursuing their dreams. They used to dream about some things, but when Jesus come in and Jesus gets hold of your heart, your mind grows. And I believe this is the best way to raise a nation out of poverty is to plant the gospel and to plant faith in the heart of people that they can see that if God is with you no matter what your past is no matter how horrible your past is like Cambodia's horrible past no matter how it looks like Jesus has a great future and today when we're in Dunfermline I believe no matter how your life looks like no matter how your situation looks like today we've come to share with you Praise God in your pain. Let go of the questions. Hope, proclaim His word, His promises. Keep on forgiving those that have done hurt to you. Move on and walk by faith. Trust God and look for that one key person. But the last thing, Jesus is just looking for your heart. He's not looking for religious systems or special styles. He's looking for your heart and the way you are. And He loves you. Let go of whatever is hindering you, whatever has been limiting you and trust God that He has a great plan for you, for your life and for this church and for this city, for this nation. And please keep us in your prayers and know that you are welcome to come and visit us in Bangkok and in Siem Reap. Any time. God bless you. God bless you.